0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, September the 19th, 2023. Tuesday is New Book Day. The book's about the future of America, though, aren't particularly encouraging, at least the books we've been dealing with. Yesterday, I interviewed Stephen Levitsky, one of America's most distinguished political scientists, about the collapse, in his view, of, of, of democracy in America. Um, he has a new book out, "Tyranny of the Minority, that he wrote with Daniel Ziblatt. Uh, Daniel's going to come on the show tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, we've been talking uh, at length, implicitly at least, about the death of what David Leonard at the New York Times calls the American dream. He has a new book coming up. Ours was the shining future, the story of the American dream, which in Leonard's view is a tragic story, the disappearance of the dream. My guest today, though, may disagree. Uh, everybody knows Jenk uh, Yuga. He is the uh, host of The Young Turks, one of the most distinguished and visible media personalities on the left in America today. And he has a new book out. It's not a miserable book. It's a very cheerful one. Justice is Coming, How Progressives Are Going to Take Over the Country, and America is going to love it. And Jenk is joining us from his home studio in Los Angeles. Jenk, finally, some good news.
1: <laughs> well, Andrew, I hate to disappoint you, but the uh, uh, first five chapters of the, uh, of the book are in a lot of ways – uh, bad news about, and so all those other writers are not wrong. Uh, we do have a massive problem in America, uh, and and I could get into what I think is a problem. But the good news is, as you point out, chapter six and seven, the last chapters are very encouraging. The Kirkus Reviews calls it, uh, you know, hopeful, optimistic, and they're and everyone who reads uh, those chapters are stunned to find out the reality that actually there's tons to be hopeful about. All we have to do is survive the 2024 election, and and we should be in great shape.
0: Well, all we need to do with your book is survive the first what five chapters, jen
1: <laughs> So yeah, well, the thing is, you wanna you wanna uh, get to the hopeful part, but you gotta read the the non hopeful part. You gotta read the the problemat- the what the core of the problem is in order to, so that you can fix it. And well, this fix is America.
0: Problem. It's um it it was founded by uh Puritans so you've got to go through the tough bits to get to the good bits so so give us an outline of those first five chapters what's gone wrong in America
1: yeah so uh, I'll so in chapters one and two I explain uh, again it's it's we're kidding around about first five and last two etc because chapter one is about how the country is wonderfully progressive and it's actually indisputable when you look at the numbers and chapter two explains what progressives are because a lot of people don't know. It sounds vague, et cetera. Chapter three is why Republicans suck. And, that, and that now you're getting to the heart of the problem. But the Republican Party isn't the heart of the problem. Corporate rule is. And that's what chapter four explains. And that's the very, very heart of the book, which explains how we lost the Democratic Party, how we lost the Republican Party, and how corporate rule is taking over everything. And I think those other authors and thinkers, uh, they are correct about their analysis of uh, the state that we're in today. I'm, you know, I haven't read all their books, so I'm not sure they've analyzed it exactly right. Because in mainstream media, uh, which is basically corporate media, there's not a lot of talk about the actual problem in this country, which is that corporations have bought all of our politicians, and or almost all of them. And we don't really have a democracy anymore. And I have stats and studies that, again, indisputably prove that it's not a democracy. Uh, more- uh,
0: Jenk you talk about corporate media, mainstream media. Your book's published by St. Martin's Press. So aren't you part of that?
1: Yeah, so it's a fair question. And so St. Martin's is certainly mainstream. And now uh, TYT Network gets called uh, mainstream online because we're the oldest running show in internet history. Uh, we're uh, And we're not as radical left as some others. So that leads some of the leftists to say, oh, no, you guys are mainstream. And in fact, recently I even declared us the Young Turks, the flagship show, mainstream progressive. So there is a new mainstream coming. And that new mainstream actually represents the American people. And that's not my opinion. It's just a fact of the polling and where it indicates Americans are and where we are. But the old mainstream is corporate media. And that's the CNNs, the New York Times, and the Fox Newses. And if you're saying that's weird that they're all in the same category, on social issues, they're not in the same category. And, and they usually not only fight but make us fight one another. Uh, but on economic issues, they're all on the same team. They're on team corporate rule. And well, corporate
0: let's get, So, so you, yeah. you've used that term a couple of times, corporate rule. Is that a euphemism for capitalism?
1: No, not at all. I explain in the book that I'm a capitalist. In fact, I call myself a democratic capitalist, like Bernie calls himself a democratic socialist. And I explain that corporate rule is actually the opposite of capitalism. It's corporatism. And corporatism, as soon as it is born, uh, tries to kill his father, and you know what it uh, does with its mother. Uh, and uh, what, what, what do you mean? Uh, like Oedipus. Uh, and you mean so, have
0: sex with its mother?
1: <laughs> yes, it screws its mother. Um, and so corporatism hates democracy and wants to screw it over. And, and capitalism, it just wants to kill because it doesn't want free markets. It wants monopolies. And it wants monopoly power, government control, And uh, the Supreme Court in 1976 and 1978 launched a plan uh, or executed the plan that Lewis Powell proposed in 1971, which is a corporate takeover of the Supreme Court. He explained with just a couple of justices, you could do uh, that as long as they're activist judges, uh, they could take over uh, the entire American democracy and hand it over to corporations. And uh, after he wrote that memo, as I explained, Richard Nixon said, oh, that's such a great idea. I'm going to put you on the Supreme Court. And he's the deciding vote in those cases where America basically legalized bribery. And that is why America right now, unfortunately, and that is what's leading to the depression and lack of hope by all others, America is now the most corrupt country on earth because the other countries, bribery is still illegal. Yes, it's uh, prevalent, but at least you have to break the law and there's certain hurdles and you can get caught and you can be punished. In America, it's perfectly legal and it's being done on an industrial scale And it has totally strangled our democracy. What
0: I I mentioned the the Leonhardt book, which is quite historical. You just mentioned Richard Nixon. You've talked about this problem of corporate rule. Was this something that Nixon introduced or did it always exist? Do you have a a moment in American history, maybe the New Deal, maybe before the New Deal, the progressive era, where there was no corporate rule?
1: Yes. So... Uh, Money is ever-present, and it would be naive to think that uh, there was this magical time where money was not a factor, or that there could be a magical time in the future where we should not safeguard against the dangers of accumulated money, because it is accumulated power, as FDR explained. And so that isn't the question. The question is, how do you contain it? What's the infrastructure and the systems and the processes that you set up to either contain it or let it run out of control? And so Was there a moment in American history where it was contained and it led to good results? The answer is an overwhelming yes. So both in the progressive era and in the New Deal, uh, we wound up not on social issues. On social issues, we were still a disaster. But on economic issues, the country was progressive. And not only did the country love it, but it created the greatest middle class the world has ever seen. It was a stunning success. and, And the numbers prove it. Uh, The productivity was sky high. Wages were sky high. Uh, In every category, we passed laws that the American people loved and love to this day, like Social Security and Medicare, Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, and so many other economic issues. Um, But then uh, when the Supreme Court got taken over and bribery got legalized, we slowly took away all of that and turned it into a situation now where even mainstream writers are worried about the death of the American dream.
0: Uh, in the Leonhardt book, he he argues the New Deal was made or defined by the role of labor unions and the way in which labor unions en- enabled workers uh, to bring some muscle to the table to take on the corporations, what you might call corporate rule. Would you agree with Leonhardt? Do you think the defining thing about the, the New Deal was the role and power of, of labor unions?
1: So yes and no. So the yes part is that, yes, uh, the unions were much stronger back then, and they were the context that drove FDR to be as progressive as he was. So, you know, all politicians, even brilliant ones, terrific ones like FDR, have to be pushed in the right direction, and they're a product of their time and their context. Unions were much stronger back then and had a terrific effect, whether it's things like OSHA eventually where uh, that was actually passed under Nixon, but under great pressure from progressives where we protect the safety of workers, but there's many other bills that were passed to protect the safety of workers during the new deal and progressive era. Uh, But um, I I can name so many different ways that they pushed him to do the right thing. and And that wound up getting the right results, not just for unions, but for the whole country. Now, having said all of that, It's still missing a critical part, and I can tell you why everyone, including a lot of our hosts on the TYT network, everybody's shifting over to focus on labor unions. And part of the reason they're doing that is because they have given up on politics. Our politicians will not do anything we want under penalty of law. They won't do it on a boat. They won't do it on a goat. They just will not do it. Corruption is near 100%. So we go, I yeah, let's try something else. Let's try labor unions. And that's not a bad way to go. That's a great way to go, right? But that alone is not the answer. We have to recapture our government. We can't give up on democracy. And right now, uh, what the zeitgeist that I am feeling, and not just in progressive circles, but now in moderate democratic circles, independent circles, and in a lot of ways, the right wing gave up on it before we did. People are just giving up on our institutions and on democracy and saying, oh, these politicians are never going to do the right thing. I'm done with them. And I think that that's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory.
0: You say the, the problem is is political as opposed to what um, based on the economics and, and labor unions. Um, does that mean really that, that both political parties, and, and you're obviously not a big fan of the Republicans, that that they just don't get it? Are they corrupt? You've mentioned corruption a couple of times, corporate rule, these decisions by the Supreme Court. What's gone wrong with politics, Jenkin, in in this country?
1: So um, in the beginning, uh, the Republicans are the party of Lincoln, and uh, that's what they're hated in the South, and the Democrats have the Dixiecrats, et cetera. Then the Republicans do the Southern strategy and actively choose to be the racist party. If you're offended by that, you're offended by facts and history. There's no question about it. No one that's rational disputes it at all. So they chose to go in a very bad direction. And they also chose to set up a party that basically, it gets people in a lot of different ways, racist, bigotry, sexism, anti-establishment populist. So some a lot negative, some positive. Um, but the point of the party is greed. And so it's going to drive everyone to nothing but tax cuts for the rich, and Mr. so-called populist Donald Trump, what did he do? His only signature achievement was giant tax cuts for the rich and for corporations. And But what is his proposal today? Giant tax cut for corporations. He's saying let's lower from 21 to 15 percent, the world's most ironic populist. So the Republicans at this point are hopeless. Although they are right about one thing, and we should be fair, and that's what I am throughout the book. That's why even some conservatives that are read it are surprised that they like it, because the right wing figured out the corruption in the system well before the left wing did. The left wing is still in a zombie-like state, a state of denial. MAGA's in denial about Donald Trump. He's an obvious liar, criminal con man, and they can't see it, and it's stunning that they can't see it. But the Democrats are in denial about the fact that corporate donors have taken over their party. And they are just obeying authority on, based on orders that they're getting from people in power, both in politics and media. And, and so they're in such a zombie state of denial that currently over, every poll is showing that over 70% of Americans are saying Joe Biden should not run again. I mean, what kind of a maniac runs a a candidate that unpopular if you're really worried that democracy is on the line, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, and we're running against fascists?
0: Well, we always hear that. Every election is the We hear that every time. Every time, and it always seems to be, although it never is, really. You've been quite explicit. In fact, the Daily Mail picked up on your uh, call for Biden to put his... Of, of, to not put his ego before the country, I, I actually agree with you. And, and my sense is he won't run because um, I think there'll be forces within the party. But uh, yeah, but let, brother, let, 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 let's it, just get to Biden and and and, and this issue. I, I'm still curious, Jenk, on this corporate rule and the corruption of politics. Yeah, give me some examples of of how that actually plays out within the Democratic Party. Name me some corporations who are shaping the democratic party and what corporations are somehow behind Biden's determination. It would seem still, although, as I said, I I think, I don't think he will run, um, to run in 2024. Super
1: quick on Biden. We're running out of time, brother. If if he's going to drop out, he has to drop out almost right now. There's not enough runway between now and when we start. uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, Um, LBJ dropped out in, in, the, in the spring. It's a
1: different time. It's a different infrastructure, different everything. Anyways, let's get to the question that you asked because it's the most important question. Because So here are some examples. Uh, the drug companies own uh, Washington, uh, about 98% of it. All the politicians uh, take donations from them. They take hundreds of millions of dollars, collectively billions of dollars, in uh, donations from the drug companies, when Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson or other industries like J.P. Morgan Chase or Raytheon, Defense Contract, etc., ExxonMobil, when they give you a campaign donation, that is not for the general welfare, that is not as charity, that's not because you coincidentally happen to uh, agree ideologically, and they're thrilled with this, this ideology that they care about on a, not about profit, not about profit, just because they want to do good in the world. That is an insane thought. No rational person could possibly think that. Yet everyone in Washington media assumes that that's the case. They don't call it the obvious corruption that it is. These guys are bribing all of our politicians endlessly. So what's the result? Well, Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, they all seem like they're all in different parts of the political spectrum, right? No, they're in the same exact place when it comes to corporate issues. All of them said, we are not allowed... To negotiate drug prices on behalf of the american people is that capitalism is that free markets that's not anywhere near it that is corporate rule where corporations say i will charge you whatever i want and you will take it and our politicians obviously should rebel against that 200 percent but they not only do they not rebel they're the ones who help them do it so this is total and utter bribery 100 percent corruption Every corporate contribution to an American politician is a bribe, an unmitigated bribe. They all take it. They all do as they're told. I'll give you one more example from a Republican. Mo Brooks, a very conservative Republican from Alabama, did a speech while in the middle. I was in the middle of writing the book, so I put it in and I thank him for his honesty. He said, look, for uh, chairmanships in the House, you have to purchase them. They cost about a million dollars. You take the money, and you disperse it to other people in the committee that are in your party. And Jane and Joe, average citizen, don't have a million dollars. So what do you do? You go and you look for campaign donors. Who's going to donate to your campaign? Well, if you're going for the chairmanship of the banking committee, the banks are going to donate. If you're going for the chairmanship of something that affects health, the drug companies are going to donate. And so they give you a million dollars, and then you pledge your loyalty to them, and you say that you will do whatever they want he's like how is this not bribery and he said everyone in washington knows it both the republicans and the democrats do it and the media absolutely refuses to cover it this is corporate rule and it is it is corruption personified it is a corporate machine that steamrolls all of us um if we had
0: uh madison on the show i don't think we could probably bring him back to life and if he did come back to life he probably wouldn't come on the show he might argue or 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 the madisonian line is that these people are parts of factions and that they have every right to pursue their interests lobbying in in washington dc how would you respond to that are you entirely against any kind of lobbying or is it the campaign finance stuff that you're against
1: No, the uh, lobbying arguments are a red herring. So ACLU can lobby, ExxonMobil can lobby all day long, but you have to set rules and and incentives and disincentives that uh, are going to logically lead to the right results. So for example, if you say, we're going to uh, finance all of our elections through private financing. If you don't expect that all the politicians will serve private interests, look, I don't want to say that I mean, you're just not thinking it through. I'll be polite. You're just not thinking it through. There's no question that they will represent private interests. So you cannot allow that. The minute you allow that, you're just handing your government over to whichever corporations have the most money and whichever people have the most money. It's not a democracy anymore. It's an oligopoly and, and an autocracy, etc. cetera, right? Um, oligopoly, of course, economic autocracy re- related to uh, the democratic system or the f- form of government. So um, – so you must have public financing now the republicans have done uh, mythology that, uh, that the uh, mainstream media loves and promotes oh my god that's taking our money and giving it to politicians no brother that is one percent of one percent of the money that they then take out the back door and subsidies and corporate tax cuts and deregulation the pentagon has hasn't passed an audit in five years they can't account for half of their money So that's over $400 billion a year. We flush down the toilet because we don't have public financing of elections. It's insane not to have public financing of elections. So, look, I talk about a group called Wolfpack that I set up near the end of the book. That's part of the answer. And, And the good news is the voters themselves, deep red Republican voters, deep blue Democratic voters, all agree that it's corrupt, all agree that it's bribery, all agree that we should not have private financing of elections. We just have to get them together and pass corporate media, which is our biggest opponent. Get past them, and then boom, we're get, we're going to win. And I can tell you the demographics as to why we're going to win. Uh, but there is hope. But right now, the current system is at its nadir. Uh, it is as corrupt as anything that is, the world has ever seen.
0: We're going to get. We're going to have a break in a few minutes, Jank, uh, uh, and then we get to a more the, the more optimistic take. But. Listening to you, my sense is that for for you, the narrative is about money in politics. It's not about Nixon or Reagan or wolf-whistling politics. It's really the the core issue, what's gone wrong in America, why there is no justice and why we need to rely on justice coming is because of the way in which corporations have taken over
1: politics. Is that fair? Yeah, 100% fair. Uh, Corporations are taking over the whole planet and everybody in every country knows it. Just in America, it's kind of like a little Petri dish where they did this experiment that worked brilliantly. Uh, And by the way, soon they'll be pushing for laws all across Europe and all across the world where they will formalize the bribery as they have done here. And then we're all... um, And what about corporate media?
0: You, 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 You say that Fox and MSNBC and New York Times, they're all in the same camp. Are they being formally paid to give messages to maintain the current system? Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. But let's figure out how they're being paid. The ham-handed way would be Do you come in with a suitcase and you with a written memo and you say, now everybody say these lines and support the corporate rep- Republicans and Democrats and here's your bag full of money. No, that's sophisticated. No, the sophisticated way of doing it is, hey, where do all that money in politics go? Like in the last midterm election, they raised an astounding $17 billion, and they spent nearly all of it. And they spent nearly all of it on corporate media. Almost all of that went to uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, New York Times, you name it. They vacuumed up $17 billion. We had uh, one of our reporters that worked for a local station in Washington. He wrote a story about money and politics. His general manager spiked the story. Then uh, David went and asked them why. What what happened? He pulls them into the into the bullpen where all of the reporters, producers, editors are are working, and he says, "David, you see all this? Money in politics paid for all of that. It pays all of their salaries. So no, we definitely will not be running a story about how money in politics is bad." So, all that media gets all of those bribes funneled eventually to them. That is why, whenever there's a corporate politician that takes those bribes and does their bidding, they talk about them in glowing terms. Hillary Clinton, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, Joe Biden, they're all amazing, wonderful people. The minute you have an outsider, whether it's Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, ah, oh, that's, that's unacceptable, outsiders, terrible. Mm. And so Bernie Sanders wins the first three primaries last time around. Uh, normally when that happens, this is tracked. There's data behind it. You get overwhelmingly positive coverage for that candidate. In Bernie's case, it was overwhelmingly negative coverage. But doesn't that Biden's always happen in American North politics? Carolina, they kiss his ass to no end, give him overwhelming positive coverage. The bias is so glaring. And I have specific examples in the book. Again, the case is
0: indisputable. Well, it's indisputable that it's conservative. I'm not sure it's indisputable that they're in the pocket of corporate media. It always seems to be the case in American politics, from Jimmy Carter to uh, George Wallace to Barry Goldwater. The the mainstream media is always very ambivalent at best about politicians on, on the radical left and right. So, Are you saying that the commentators on MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, for example, that they are not allowed to say certain things against their advertisers or corporate interests?
1: Not only am I saying that, I prove it in the book, and I lived it. I was an anchor on MSNBC, and they told me that I'm not allowed to say certain things.
0: So give me some examples of what they said you couldn't say.
1: So uh, let's give you a range here to give you a sense of it. Again, it's not in a cigar-filled room. There are no memos written. It's the invisible hand of the market in the way that it works. So in my particular case... Uh, one example was we had an advertiser that we were criticizing in one of the stories that I had written, and I didn't know this until that incident. It, per- it turns out management reads all the scripts uh, of all the anchors, and that's why when sometimes I went unscripted, they were very, very uncomfortable, and I didn't know why they were so uncomfortable because when I go unscripted, my ratings are better, so I didn't understand what the issue was. And the issue is it turns out they don't want you to criticize certain people, so when they saw the advertiser They said, can you take them out of this story? And I said, no. So they said, all right, can you move them to the bottom third of the story instead of the very first paragraph? And since I worked for them, I said, okay, okay. But that gives you a small sense of it, okay? Now, uh, when Obama uh, was uh, talking about the Egyptian revolution, he did a press conference. I'm live on the air on MSNBC. I've got my generals, the pundits, et cetera, and... After he's done, I say, look, guys, I'm going to keep it real with you guys in a minute and tell you how Obama talked out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, But first, I'm going to go to General X here for his analysis. And in the meanwhile, I've got my producer in my IFB uh, yelling in my ear, don't, don't keep it real. Do not criticize Obama. And then we have meetings afterwards on when I'm allowed to criticize Obama. And I said, guys, so what, why, why didn't you want me to? And by the way, I did it anyway, because that's who I am. And that's why I'm not there anymore. Um, and so I said, what's the issue here? We're in the news business. We're in the analysis business. They said, well, it's disrespectful to the president to criticize him right after the speech. Okay, pause for that absurdity to set in. That actually happened. That's insane. Secondly, I said, okay, great. Then tell me, uh, I work for you guys. You pay my, you sign my check. So tell me what the standard is. Do I wait an hour? Do I wait four hours? Is this thing written down? Do I wait a day? And they basically they came to the conclusion of wait a couple of days. You know why? Because by then it's out of the news cycle. How absurd is it to comment on a press conference Obama did three days later? No, they wanted to protect the Democrats. And then in, in the final story is one that's so it feels like out of a movie. And hence, I'm afraid people are going to have trouble believing it because it's so over the top, but it actually happened to me. Phil Griffin, the head of the network sits me down. And he says, I was just in Washington and they're not happy with your tone. So guys, it's, I'm not conspiratorial. I don't know who he talked to. Maybe he just talked to Chris Matthews, who is the D, the powerful DC host in, in for MSNBC. Maybe he talked to someone in the administration. I don't know that part, but I do know he said that. And then he said, and outsiders are cool. They wear leather jackets and ride motorcycles, but We're insiders here at NBC. And I was like, wow, he just said that. So he told me, cool it. Stop basically stop criticizing Democrats because we're on that team. Stop criticizing advertisers. And by the way, I had a Republican on that wanted to cut Social Security. And I yelled at him. yelled as in like engaged in feisty debate as Chris Matthews and others pretend to do on the air at the time on MSNBC. I got to talking to you about that. That is a former Republican congressman. He is owed a lot of respect. I'm like this some bitch is going to cut people's Social Security, and he's owed a lot of respect. No, he's not owed any respect. And so the people in power are sacrosanct. Corporations are sacrosanct. The politicians who serve them are sacrosanct. You cannot criticize them and stay on MSNBC. Does that mean Rachel Maddow and the others have implicitly agreed we will not criticize people in power? Yes, they have definitely implicitly agreed to that.
0: Certainly an interesting and, and controversial pr- position from Cenk uh, Yuga, the author of Justice is Coming, uh, a true Young Turk and, and the host of the Young Turks. Many of you would, of course, be familiar. I'm not sure I 100 percent agree, Jenk. although I haven't been on MSNBC. I'm not convinced on The New York Times, Washington Post, front. but that's another issue. I want to take a short break. Thank our and I'm a bit embarrassed to say this now, given your 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 shtick in the first part of the show, given our sponsor, Liberties Quarterly. I won't say anything bad about them. They pay for our bills here. Uh, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. I'm going to run a short ad for them. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. And then we'll be back with Jen Cougar, uh, the author uh, of a really interesting, important new book, um, Justice is Coming, to talk about why justice is coming. No more misery. We're going to talk Cheerfulness after the break. Don't go away, anyone.
1: Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not
0: just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens, politics, opinion, substance. Liberties
1: is a triumph for freedom of thought, a quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's
0: invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are talking with the great Cenk Yuga, the author of Justice is Coming and one of the stars, if not the star, on the entire Young Turks network. So go. Uh, you've made everyone miserable. Cheer them up now. Why is Justice coming?
1: So, uh, when you look at the results, not just of polling, but of actual elections, what you see is a stark, gigantic difference. And when I say gigantic, as you'll see in chapter six, I'm not at all exaggerating, uh, between one set of demographics that makes all the difference. And when we talk about political demographics in America, people are tempted to think race, you know, blacks and whites vote differently, et cetera. They're tempted to think gender, and that is all of those are relevant, right? But the most important demographic is age. So when you look at uh, voters above 45 years old, they tend to vote conservative, both towards the Republicans in general elections and towards corporate Democrats in primaries, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, et cetera when you look at under 45 years old, they are overwhelmingly progressive. The difference between under 45 year olds and uh, and above 45 year olds, sometimes is 20 points. Sometimes uh, in elections, it's 40 points or more. In some instances, it's 60 point difference where the young are saying, change it. Please change the system. Give me something different. Give me a populist, give me a progressive, give me an outsider but definitely progressive on the left to the point where Frank Luntz, the top Republican pollster of our lifetimes has written screed after screed, yelling at the Republican party. You're not getting it. We've lost the young. This thing is over. We've got to turn around immediately. We've got to stop bashing gay people. We've got to realize that climate change is real. We're losing all of the young. We are going to have no chance of winning in the future. And by the way, it is not a coincidence or an accident that Donald Trump tried January 6th, which was basically a coup attempt. It's not that he's thinking through all of these dynamics. He's not anywhere near bright enough to do that. But there is a zeitgeist, a group think among the right, that the, that the government and power is slipping away from them. And they're right about that. And so they're trying to desperately hold on to power, even if it means through unconstitutional means, undemocratic, un-American ways, as they did on January 6th. So, and within the Democratic Party, again, the gulf is even wider, it's gigantic. So the minute those 45-year-olds turn into 49-year-olds, which is this election, we actually should have the advantage already. In 2028, that tsunami is gonna hit these corporate candidates so hard, they're gonna have no idea what hit them, and they're going to be bewildered by the new context of American politics. But just as we're about to win, this old corporate Democrat who's now losing to a clownish monster like Donald Trump is being put up there to go run. And I I tried for a whole year to get a strong progressive to run against him. And everybody's saying, no, no, we must obey. We must obey authority. What kind of a progressive obeys irrational authority figures? So, and
0: I, I have to admit, I agree with you on this, the, the, the demographic divide and the fact that it doesn't matter whether it's Republicans or Democrats, whether it's McConnell or Pelosi or Feinstein or Biden, uh, America now is run by a, a, geront- a gerontocratic government. But coming back to corporate rule, is that the reason?
1: Why were not these people step aside? Oh, it's definitely because of corporate rule. So um, if you're and I run a business, so I'm in this really interesting place where I'm in the middle of a lot of intersecting circles. I used to be a Republican. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of, of this now mid sized media company and growing bigger by the day. Um, and, but I'm a very progressive host. So uh, wh- how does so I know business interests. So how do they affect how old the politicians are? Because business interests look for return on investment, and they look to reduce risk. Those are core business practices. So when you're going to purchase anything, including a politician, you want to lower your risk and guarantee return on investment. Well, who does that for you? Politicians who have already proven over and over again that they will do whatever you ask of them. So you know that when you give them money, you are that bribe is going to work. So if you give money to Mitch McConnell, it is a guaranteed return. You, he will definitely fight super hard for your corporate interests, and he will likely win. But the genius of this plot that was hatched all the way back in 1971 from the Chamber of Commerce is that you don't just buy the strong Republicans. You buy weak Democrats whose job is to say, there was nothing we could do. Oh, golly gee. They passed another tax cut for the rich. Oh, well, you know, if you give us 70 or 80 senators out of 100, maybe we could do something, maybe, but oh, no, we lost the Republicans again. And so this is how this game has been played for the last 40 years. Who's paying Biden to do
0: this? Oh, corporate donors. Well, give me some concrete. You you gave me some concrete ones with MSNBC. But could you give me some examples of corporations paying Biden?
1: name any corporation in america and they've almost all donated to joe biden so defense industry but that's
0: i'm not sure that's a convincing argument they all, all corporations donate to every politician so yeah to that's, Biden. Uh, that's it's not an argument no wait wait wait
1: andrew uh, and i'll give you examples of what biden has delivered but are you saying like that mitch mcconnell when he gets the money uh he does corporate interest that makes sense but that somehow Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are angels, and then when they get the money, they don't deliver. No, but no, the corporations have that, given but to them over, over and over and over and over again. And over you're again. a bit vague
0: on 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 Biden or Pelosi. Who is paying? I, I don't I don't know the answer to this. I'm mystified. Who is paying? And maybe you're right. Who is paying Feinstein and Pelosi and Biden? Who are clearly way beyond their shelf life. They should have retired 25 years ago. They have nothing new to say. They're ancient they seem almost dead certainly biden who is paying them give me a i, I just don't yeah. get it
1: no absolutely i and in the book i lay out specific examples well, give me i know. mean you
0: wrote the book so tell so, me some yeah, examples. So,
1: so here we go so for example when they're doing obamacare uh max Baucus had about two dozen uh, staffers on his uh, staff that either worked at drug companies or health insurance companies before or worked immediately thereafter. They paid over uh, $2.5 million to Max Baucus in campaign contributions, and he was connected to the healthcare industry uh, personally as well. They then donated to Barack Obama and they donated to almost all the Democrats. And of course, Max Baucus was the head of the healthcare committee uh, for the Democrats and uh they do tricks like oh i am from montana i am from west virginia that is why i need to be moderate or conservative when those positions according to the polling are not even moderate or conservative they're just uh, deeply I understand your point, but not, you're not answering the question James. okay so who is but, stopping but Bi- who is someone paying biden not to retire so andrew this is what i'm trying to explain in the invisible hand of the market it is not that one like sir topham hat with his you know monocle comes in and goes Joe, I need you to do this. And he's from ExxonMobil. No, they raised about a billion dollars. Nancy Pelosi has. Joe Biden has saved, uh, raised in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And since the great majority of that is from corporations, when the drug companies say to Nancy Pelosi, whose top healthcare aide, of course, worked before for the healthcare industry, she gets millions of dollars in contributions from the healthcare industry. So when Medicare for All comes up, Nancy Pelosi says, not on my watch. No way. We are not doing Medicare for all. Then Biden says, "Oh, a public option is very popular." Popular. So I'll pretend that I'm in favor of the public option. He gets into office. Those donate those donors come in and go. You will not do the public option. And Joe Biden doesn't even propose it. The it, it there's the infrastructure bill helps uh, corporations that build the bridges, et cetera. That doesn't mean it's bad but the first money goes to corporations and to unions who also give money in, in uh, political donations and always get also get less favors than the corporations but some favors but the best example is the semiconductor bill those companies give to Biden and the Democrats and then we just gave them a 54 billion dollar subsidy and you could say hey we need a more healthy semiconductor industry in America but Why didn't we put guardrails in the bill saying you can't fire American workers if you get this giant subsidy from the American taxpayers? Well, guess what they did right after they got the subsidy? They fired American workers and outsourced their jobs. Intel rubbed it in people's faces by firing about 8,000 people right after the bill passed. So this is gross corruption. It's done under Democrats just as well as Republicans. And there's dozens, hundreds of examples. And I I take your your point, although I
0: I, I think we should move on. I'm still you're you're still not really answering my question about why Biden just doesn't quit. But let's move on. One of the things that you know, I buy your argument on demographics and the role of young people. But um, Andrew,
1: I'm sorry, I I didn't quite understand your question as to why Biden doesn't quit. I gave you why Biden is corrupt, but as to why Biden doesn't quit, you're right to be confused about that he's he's off the reservation at this point he's gone rogue like the corporations had obama and again guys these are not memos it's just a general zeitgeist that they have the group think is creates bubbles obama went and had lunch with biden a couple of weeks ago trying to push him out of the race and he wouldn't listen uh you know scarborough and other guys on in corporate media are going "Ah, david ignatius and the washington post are like joe you're a little old maybe it's time to step aside. And the, the group think is actually trying to push Biden out. But Biden's like, well, I'm the president and we've got a system built here where you're all supposed to kiss my ass. So kiss it. It's his ego that's out of control. And he's a runaway freight train. So this is an
0: ego issue with Biden rather than yes. corporate rule. What about the issue, Jenk um, uh, of people go, going from being young to old, which for better or worse is unavoidable? You know, 30, 40-year-olds become 50 and 60-year-olds. Your confidence is built on the idea that a younger generation is coming to power. They have more, uh, that they have a larger, um, more and more power when it comes to elections. But don't people become more conservative the older they become?
1: So uh, I knew that people uh, would think that. So I went and looked up meta-studies on political affiliations through different age groups. And what all the meta-studies indicate is, no, your political opinions get set between the ages of 14 and 24. Uh, do some people move after that? Of course. I, I moved. I used to be a Republican, and now I, I'm a progressive Democrat. But do people in general, in masses, on average, move? No, they do not. And so there's a stunning uh, study done in 2011, or just a poll. I, I just noticed the stunning part of it. Um people above 65 years old for the last 20 years at least have been very conservative in American politics. And and one of the studies explained that's because of Reagan. Reagan was so popular in the 80s, and people are still holding on to that image of the conservative, uh, patriotic American and shining city on a hill, et cetera. But back in 2011, for 85 and older, it was actually the most progressive demographic because they remembered FDR. And so when they were growing up, they were old enough that he was around, and he was popular, and he was successful. So they stayed progressive through their whole lives. And that's what people generally tend to do. So that old Churchill quote that is misattributed to him that he didn't actually say about how when you're younger, uh, if if you're not liberal, you don't have a heart. And if you're older, uh, I that you, was Mark you don't have a I think a all these quotes have been either given to Twain or Churchill, right? That's exactly right. And it's not him. It was actually a monarchist in France who said it, and the meta-studies proved that he is definitively wrong. They, you generally stay with the politics you have basically at the age of 24. So, Jenk, you argue, and, and it
0: seems to make sense to me, that Americans of all political ilks are tired of what you call corporate rule. They want to break out. You mentioned that corporate media is hostile to both extremists, well, not extremists, but the, the radicals on the left and the right, uh, a, a Trump or a Bernie Sanders. You're optimistic about the future. You say justice is coming. But what happens if injustice is coming? What happens if someone to the right of, of, of Trump wins? Well, then what? Isn't that just as conceivable as a, a younger version of Bernie
1: Sanders coming along? Um. That answer is a yes and no. Uh, Short-term, yes. Long-term, no. Long-term, it's no because the numbers don't say that under 45-year-olds are heavily populist or heavily outsiders. They say they're heavily progressive. So for them to switch in mass from left to right would be unusual. and, And there are no sudden movements like that in demographics and political movements and ideology, et cetera. But that doesn't mean there are no movements. There are plenty of movements. And I am concerned about the right wing making now inroads into the very young. Um, But but overall, long term, I'm not worried. Uh, Justice is definitely coming. But short term, you make an excellent point. In 2024, uh, the Democrats have uh, a candidate that is deeply unpopular, and they don't want to hear anyone who says it. They want to shoot the messenger. Every time I say it, they think I'm in favor of Trump. I have a chapter called Why Republicans Suck. I explain how Donald Trump is a maniac, a lunatic, and a fascist. And they go, oh, so you're pro-Trump. I'm like, look, guys, you sound as deluded as MAGA guys. Uh, no, guy I agree. I her. think that the
0: fear of Trump is, is, is in itself dangerous. Um, I should have asked you this question before, I, I Shamefully, I haven't asked it. Uh, but what exactly is a progressive?
1: Yeah, so that's in the entirety of Chapter 2. But what it means is, um, and, and it's going to sound like, wait, those are catch-all American things, but I explain exactly why it represents the progressive movement. So things like expanding the circle of liberty. Um, so uh, what does that mean? Well, that means the conservatives are actually not bad people. They're actually wonderful to their families, communities, et cetera, in general. But they circle the wagons in tighter formation. And so it's just... About their family, community, sometimes race, sometimes religion, right? Whereas progressives want to expand the circle of liberty, and we view the, the sense of us as broader. So as a progressive, I view black people and gay people as just as American, just as me, as anybody is, right? My wagons are larger. So uh, the second thing is justice for all. Not justice just for the rich and justice for just the right wing. And I explained that there are laws in place that actually just do that right now. But what we're looking for is justice for everyone. And But that also doesn't mean you go then go and oppress right wingers or Christians or white people. No, of course not. And a majority of progressives are white themselves, of course, right? Um, so these are the general principles that go. And by the way, one last one, uh, equality of opportunity. So I know that some on the, in the leftist range have gone to equity instead of equality, but I don't agree with that. And I think that's a dangerous road to go down. But equality of opportunity is something all Americans agree with, and it's the core of progressive thinking. We all just need a shot. So for example, uh, how does it show in policies that we promote? We promote a free college education for everyone, Right. So why do we promote that? Because it gives every kid an opportunity at the American dream. My dad had that opportunity in growing up in Turkey in the 1960s and he went from a very poor farmer to a mechanical engineer and then an entrepreneur. And it not only gave us a, an amazing opportunity and it was morally the right thing to do, but it also created economic boom. He created a company that hired hundreds of people in Turkey. I created a company that hired hundreds of people here in America. So these progressive policies come from those overriding principles. They're shown in our actual bills and legislation, and they work. And when we institute them, like Social Security and Medicare, Americans love them. They poll 75% to 85% in every poll. And that is why when in Europe, when you pass things like universal health insurance, even conservatives can't argue against it. Everybody loves it so much. But here in America, we live under complete corporate rule, and we're not, we're not allowed to have universal health insurance. So if we can't afford it, we die. They just literally let us die. It is insanity. It is corporatism run amok. It is corporate rule steamrolling us. But we got them. We just have to stay on the right path, survive the 2024 election. And if democracy continues into 2028, we should be in great shape.
0: I hope you're right, jenk uh, Yuga U- is the author of "Justice Is Coming: How Progressives Are Going to Take Over the Country uh, and How America Is Going to Love It." Jenk, um, your book is, of course, uh, "Justice Isn't Just Coming." We got to, we got to bring it. It's a book about. Agency and Politics. For people watching, they, of course, need to read the book. It's just out today. You can make it a bestseller. What can people do? A lot of people are busy. They don't have your or my luxury of of sitting on the, the internet all day, spouting opinions and talking to other people. What can people do who have jobs and families, maybe more than one job? Where would they begin to make sure that justice is indeed coming in America?
1: So on the TYT network, and particularly on the Young Turks, the show that I host with Anna Svarian, we've done this before. And so it is provable. So we asked people to believe in a group that we just started in 20 at the very beginning of 2017 called Justice Democrats. And we said we're gonna run these candidates nobody's ever heard of. One's a bartender in New York called Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And uh, in her primaries when no one had heard of her we did 34 videos about her and i called her alexandria the great and boom she pulls off the biggest one of the biggest political upsets in american history rashida talib ilhan omar Ayanna presley when i co-founded just democrats i asked uh, the reporters that i know how many just democrats do you think will get into congress the answer was zero uh, but some of them said maybe one Uh, you know, maybe you'll get lucky somewhere, right? We now have 11 Justice Democrats in Congress. Uh, Bernie Sanders nearly won in 2020, and he came very close in 2016 as well. So, guys, the minute we start trying, we we get past the barrier, we get past the gates, we get soldiers into the fortress of power, and we came this close to taking over the whole thing. My God, now seven years ago we almost did it. Three years ago, we were inches away. So, should you have hope? Absolutely. So, now what are we doing next? On TYT, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to launch Operation Hope. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask the community, and we have four to 500 million views a month. So, it is a sizable community. And they're not all viewers, those are views, but that's a lot of views that piles up, right? And so, and it's all organic. We don't do paid media, we don't do any of that. It's real. So I'm going to ask the community to come to TYT.com, and we're going to, together, we're going to figure out what is the next project we should work on? How do we bring hope? For example, one of my proposals will be let's focus on getting paid family leave passed from the outside rather than the inside. So build so much pressure from not just the left wing, which they don't listen to nearly enough, but also from the right wing to put pressure on uh, the Justice Democrats and the Freedom Caucus and to work our way into the middle. Why do I say with Republicans? Because paid family leave polls at 84% and 74% of Republicans also want paid family leave. And it makes sense. It's 12 weeks off after a mom has a baby. That's a very conservative position, right? It's also a very progressive position. You see, the media constantly divides us. But in reality, on really important things that affect our lives, we are united. So we're going to try to unite from the outside and push our way in and see if we can pass that bill. But that's just one example. In Operation Hope, we're going to try things that you guys suggest, that the audience suggests. We're going to try one after another after another until we get success. That's how we built TYT, and that's how we're going to build hope.